angels. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade, he is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its perfect place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. Pray with me. God, whose glory fills creation, we give thanks that you are with us wherever we go or stay. Whatever our state of mobility, we are all on a journey. We all seek adventures to share and listeners who care. Keep us alert to finding good in every place and God in every face. Amen. Praise the Lord. PTL. Obviously, you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, there was a time when some Christian evangelicals might have responded by waving their hands and shouting PTL in response. It was something of a fad, especially in the 70s and 80s. PTL. Praise the Lord. In 1974, televangelists Jimmy and Tammy Faye Baker took the acronym as the name of their new TV show, the PTL Club. I don't know if anybody here was a member of the club or a fan of the show or even watched it, but I will confess that I never saw it. When Jimmy Baker got into trouble for financial and sexual impropriety, the show and its assets were taken over by Jerry Falwell, who ran it for a couple of years. In all, it ran from 1974 to 1989, when plagued by scandal and bankruptcy, it left the air. There's been a lot since then, including the wonderful movie, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. If you haven't seen that, I think it's quite a remarkable movie. Since I never saw the show myself, I can't say, um, I can't say with any certainty that praise the Lord, I can't say with any certainty what praise the Lord meant for those folks. I will say that when I encountered the shouting and waving, they did not speak to me. Still, praise the Lord is a significant phrase in Judeo-Christian tradition, isn't it? We use it with regularity and in great and a great many settings. That's what this morning's psalm and indeed the whole service are about praise of God. The words may not always be praise the Lord, but the meaning of those words, the meaning those words convey is widely shared and artfully expressed 
in many settings. We heard it in the different scripture readings in uh, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. We heard it in the songs. We hear it more in songs and prayers to come widely expressed in different ways. As she tends to do in paraphrasing the Psalms, Nan Merrill uses the phrase, praise the blessed one and praise the beloved. Like me, she may not favor that old English label of Lord for the God we worship and adore. Blessed one, beloved God, the Holy One, great spirit, or some other options. Sometimes Merrill just refers to God as love with a capital L. Hymn writer Brian Wren encourages us to bring many names to our hymns and our songs, our poems, and our prayers of praise. For instance, strong mother God, warm father God, old aching God, young growing God, great living God are some of the descriptors that Wren uses. When you go in your closet to pray or lift your eyes skyward or turn on in your bed or wonder at the miracles of life all around you, what is the name to whom you offer your prayers and praise? What is the name that you choose? And maybe it varies from occasion to occasion. You've heard me say before that one of my, uh, my go-to phrase when I think if I have to put a name on God is what William James called the more. Because there is always more. No matter what I say, it is inadequate and, 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 and drives me to say, and the more. There's an ancient prayer, though, I love. It's set beautifully to music by the American composer Ron Nelson. O Lord, how can we know thee? Where can we find thee? It seems to me that today's texts offer a response to this ancient plea to know something of the holy. The prayer continues. Thou art as close to us as breathing and yet art farther than the farthermost star. O oh God, how can we know thee? Where can we find thee? Sometimes we stand in awe at the distance. Other times we crave the intimacy of a mother rocking her baby. At any given time, God can be found hovering in either extreme as well as everywhere else in between. Friends, bidden or unbidden, God is present. But of course, we will only know the presence in the degree to which we open to it and feel it move in and around and through us. In concert with the majesty of Psalm 148, um, we included, I hope we did, included a couple of photographs from space. Were those, did those flash across the screen at some point? I, I don't have eyes in the back of my head. Um, uh, photographs of space, they're spectacular, awe-inspiring views of what was once beyond our imagining. Even the scientists who have made this their life work 
have been blown away by the new images from the new telescope, the new Webb telescope. Spectacular, awe-inspiring visions that was once, what was once beyond our imagining, let alone our seeing, even with enhanced capabilities. Give praise from the heavens and from all the ends of the earth. Give praise, all you angels, angels of earth and heaven. Give praise, sun and moon. Give praise, all you shining stars. Give praise, all universes, the whole cosmos of creation. Give praise. But there can be a cold sense of isolation and insignificance as we view wonders so distant. Majesty and might do not bring warmth or the sense of God in the beauty of a butterfly or a baby's low cry. As close to us as breathing and as far as the farthermost star, altogether, praise God. In considering today's theme, I wondered what it would be like if we chose to praise God every morning. How would we be different? Think about that for a minute. How would you be different if you literally intentionally chose to praise God every morning? If we made a point of beginning the day praising God? What sort of attitude adjustment would that give us? What shift a worldview? What sense of hope, of love, of peace, of well-being? I wonder how your life and my life might be lifted up if we kept a copy of Psalm 148 by our beds or tacked to our refrigerator doors and read it first thing every morning before our feet even hit the floor. Would the day dawn brighter? Its, possibility, its responsibilities seem lighter, its pleasures more joyful, its sorrows more bearable. Paul Meyer writes of Psalm 148, I'm convinced that poetry, psalmic poetry, has a capacity to inspire human minds to consider familiar and unfamiliar terrains of human experience. It can provoke reflection on the activity of God in the world and beyond the world, from the heights to the depths and everywhere in between. It can broaden horizons and lift spirits beyond the mundane to the sublime. The poet has a capacity to break through well-ordered thoughts and sprinkle them with raindrops of inspiration. Simple words combine swiftly to turn into torrents that flood everything one thinks they know and cuts new courses through our well-managed mental landscapes to form patterns of thinking unknown previously. We become part of the more as we live into new and challenging realities. Are we ready for such transformation? Try reading this psalm or another favorite poem of praise every morning this week and see where it leads you. 
See if it makes a difference. Leaders of the nations and all peoples, young and old, give praise. Unite together in all your diversity that peace and harmony might flourish on the earth. Friends, in this season of street violence, gun violence, political ugliness that led to this week's election and moves beyond, I was especially taken with this verse from Merrill's paraphrase. What if politicians and leaders in government Instead of turning to hostility, divisiveness, defensiveness, and mudslinging, and haven't we had a heavy dose of that in the last several months? You know, I, I don't understand it. Maybe I've raised, I was raised differently. I, I don't understand how humans sink to that level, especially when they aspire to responsibility for our lives and the well-being of our country and of the world and of creation, in fact. Well, that aside, what if politicians and leaders in government, instead of turning to those things, started every day with a prayer of praise to the one who made them and breathed life into them? Would they see the world differently? Would they value creation differently? Would they engage in a more civil and respectful discourse? One can only hope. What if they all, especially those who claim to be Christian, join together to read Psalm 148 or Proverbs 8 with its words of wisdom or Colossians 1 with its witness to the Christ who is spacious enough through God's eternal grace to fix and fit together all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe. What if they join together? Young and old together, what if they join together in prayer and praise of God as we are doing this morning? Do you, do you think it would help to bring us closer, to bridge the old generation gap, to give us more wisdom and understanding and delight in differences at the same time it showed the way to common ground in the one who made us, who breathed life into us, and loves us all unconditionally. United together in all our diversity, does it seem possible, given the racism, xenophobia, sexism, ageism, ableism, queer bashing, gender conflict that keeps us in constant turmoil and conflict, instead of fighting over whether we stand or take a knee, or lie on our backs with our hands raised when we're asked to sing that old war song from 1812, a national anthem that celebrates violence and slavery. What if we join together in a hymn of praise instead to the one who made us, who breathed life into us and holds us in the palm of her hand? I know the USA is not a theocracy, and we don't all see God in the same way, if we see God at all. But somehow, Psalm 138, or at least America the Beautiful, 
seems preferable if we want to express our love for this land which God brought into being and asks us and tasks us to love and care for as she does. All together. Praise God. Bind us together, God. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, God. Bind us together in love. Bind us together in the same way that Godhead itself is bound together. The ancient texts tell us that God created, but not exactly alone. We read of the Spirit and of holy wisdom and of the Christ who were there before the beginning and were part of the creative process. Indeed, it seems to be the interplay of this quaternity that brought about creation itself. God singing it all into form, the spirit breathing life, wisdom nurturing it into maturity, at the same time dancing in delight with it all, and Christ the self-emptying one who shows us wandering ones the way back to God and all the initial goodness and wonder of creation, the one in whom all broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death his blood that poured down from the cross. Altogether, let us praise God in all these shapes and forms which are ever drawing us back to our home in God's self. Praise be to the blessed one, the very breath of our breath, the very heart of our heart. Amen.